Hello, this is the first of a two-part Block Talk podcast with Christian Bruce, partner at Red Path Bruce. Christian had lots to say and we enjoy chatting to him. In this first part, Christian talks about his experience of the pandemic, striking a work-life balance and what he looks for in the ideal Red Path Bruce person. So enjoy part one and look out for part two in a fortnight. Thanks. The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you doing today? Hi, Brian. I'm good. Are you all right? Yes, it is. Yes, I'm great. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I am good. Um, even better that we have um, Christian on today, actually, because I haven't spoken to him for a very long time. I think we did once meet at a drinks event and had a good old chat. Um, but yeah, today we have the pleasure of talking to Christian Bruce. He's a partner at Red Path Bruce and grandson of the founding partner, um, Christian's been with the organisation since 2016. He's a charter surveyor and I'm told he is passionate about the well-being of his team and his clients and the impact of the business on the environment and society. So it's going to be really interesting to hear a bit more about that sort of stuff. So Christian, um, glad, I'm glad you came, managed to come on. Thank you for doing so. Um, how are you doing today? I'm great, and thank you for asking me. Um, I, I'm a bit humbled to to have been asked, and when when people do come and say, "Look, we want to to listen to you and and hear what you've got to say," I immediately think, "I haven't got anything to say. What do they want to know?" Uh, but uh, uh, usually, once I've I've got the, the the tongue going, it's hard to stop it. So please do interrupt me if if I go down a rabbit hole or uh, end up boring you to tears. Uh, Jax, you could maybe just edit it all out. Um, but uh, a, a wee correction from my intro, I, I actually joined in 2006, not 16. Um, uh, it does feel, however, Brian, like it was just yesterday I joined the firm. Uh, and the fact that it's now, what's that, 15 years ago is, is uh, uh, quite galling in many respects. Uh, time passes far too quickly and uh, especially when you're trying to make changes and make a difference, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of that during the course of today's podcast. So thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation. And I hope I, I say something of relevance in the course of the next half an hour or so. Yeah, good, good. Yes, apologies about that. It is actually written in front of me. It's 2006, so my brain obviously could not say what was actually written on a bit of paper in front of me. So thank you for the correction. Um, so just just to, to to kind of kick off, the kind of first thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about was um, how have you coped with the pandemic and how do you think it has impacted the future role of the office? Wow. Well, it's been some 18 months, hasn't it? We keep saying 18 months, but it must be about 19 or 20 now because we've been saying that for a couple of months. But um, uh, it's been extraordinary. And, and I think at the outset, when we all sort of disappeared home overnight, the first thing was the administrative challenge. We suddenly had to 
we we talk about being dynamic and flexible as a business and and uh, as as uh, workers, but you know you're not often really testing it. And um, you know, simple logistics suddenly became really difficult. Uh, so IT, funnily enough, you guys and 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 um, our our hardware became the first and most important thing to get working because we're so reliant nowadays on on tech, um, you know. And so offsiting fifty five odd staff and and we we've only got maybe a third on laptops. So there's desktop towers going home in taxis and um, you know we weren't prepared to let people use their own home PCs because of security issues and um you know where, where their firewalls going to be secure enough what were the gdpr implicate implications and obviously we had to dial into our server to to operate cpl and other other software that we've got some of it's cloud-based but it's not all cloud-based uh, and therefore we needed remote desktop licenses and then there was a shortage of those bizarrely because the whole world was looking for them i didn't realize they were a sort of um uh, a finite commodity uh and on top of that there's varying qualities of broadband you know from mm. from people's homes and and actually how easily can people um use their 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 work machines or any form of, of it from home so um <laughs> that was nothing short of uh, a panic but we, you know we got there and everybody um you know dug in and 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 helped and there was a sort of uh uh, wartime kind of approach to it uh, and um, but once that all settled down and we got everything working and sure some things are a bit clunkier from home I mean they, they always have been um, you know we got into a rhythm and um, uh, you know we I think the, the most important thing was security and and um, you know was everybody uh, uh, you, you know, safe from the, the 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 hackers and all the rest of it. That I think that's the thing. We're we're I mean, we've been a, we constantly get hacked. Everyone does, and you've got all sorts of firewalls in place. But as soon as you send fifty five people home with their gear, you get very nervous. And I think one thing we had to cope with as business leaders is the sort of anxiety. Uh, you know, put aside all the actual challenges of running a business from. 55 locations, if you like. Um, you've then got to deal with the, the emotional side, but um, we can go down that road later on. We did have a, a an amusing um, uh, sort of episode where we it, it came to a payment run, and of course we take a lot of payments over the phone. There's plenty of direct debit and people paying electronically, um, but uh, a lot of people still phone in to make payments, and we suddenly realized we just didn't have enough people on phones we had a hunt group of of mobile phones for for a variety of people taking payments but we just weren't getting through the numbers so we thought right we must go out and get some um uh pay-as-you-go phones and just widen that hunt group and i described them in the zoom call to um to margaret as burner phones from <laughs> having, having watched uh, the wire and, um, and light of duty and light yeah, of duty yeah, obviously yeah. yeah yeah trying to be very um uh, trendy and hit, but, but unfortunately, she went into Argos and asked for six burner phones. <laughs> uh, what exactly are these for, madam? And uh, it turns out you can only buy one at a time anyway, uh, because they, they're oh, wow. not aware of why people use these. 
And I think she went to another Argos and it was joined up enough to know that they just sold her one in Saki Hall Street and they <laughs> wouldn't sell her a second phone. So with this panic phoning around different people to go to Tesco's and various places to get these um, pay-as-you-go phones so that we could collect money. Um, that was that was a real hoot. And um, we then explained to Margaret that that was just slang and she should have just asked for a pay-as-you-go phone. But she, she wasn't followed home. She didn't get a call from from uh, uh, what's the chat from Line of Duty, the Scots lad, I've forgotten his name. Martin Compton, yeah, DCR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, so that was, that, these are the sort of challenges that we had, but we got into a pretty, a routine pretty quickly. You know, at first it was daily Zoom calls with the senior management team and they'd last several hours and we're just trying to cover off everything. Um, and, um, as lockdown sort of, you know, the, the whole thing was such a, a moving feast that, you know, we're trying to absorb so much information all the time um, about the pandemic. How serious was it? How serious wasn't it? You know, there was all the doubting Thomases and, um, you know, there was just so much to absorb and to communicate and to reassure staff and to try to have that steady hand on the tiller for, for everybody uh, in the business, you know, we're going to be okay and this is how we're going to do it. Um, so we eventually got down to weekly Zooms for senior management team, but we still had, you know, uh, we became very au fait with, we hadn't used Microsoft Teams properly. We had it, everyone had it. We weren't using it properly in in, in the business. You know, now it's a mainstay um, for, for team comms. And, and that way people were able to keep in touch, keep in touch visually, with some people who live alone, you know, there is all the challenges of, you know, who's missing the office and who's got children and dogs at their feet and who's um, actually, some people loved it. They could get more done. They get peace and quiet. You know, there's, you'll have heard it all before, but it's a bit hackneyed now, but we, we faced all the same challenges every other business did. And, and I think without the technology, we couldn't have done it. Um, and, uh, and I think we realized, I think everyone realized the power of, of, of the IT in terms of Zoom and WebEx and um, MS Teams. And, and so much business started to transact in that manner and face-to-face -face meetings. Um, and actually it became easier to have client meetings with, with groups of owners in, in, in buildings where you'd never have got them into the town hall before, but you could get them all on Zoom. And in some respects, that was a huge benefit. Um, and, uh, so I think, um, you know, we, we'd had to do a lot of, a lot of quick learning and, um, and, and actually change a lot of our, um, business processes to, to adapt to this new world. Um, the second lockdown, if you can imagine, we, we, we had a skeleton staff in the office, certain things had to happen. Um, you know, opening letters and electricity bills and giving out keys to the contractors that were still getting out and about. So we, we always had a, a, a skeleton staff in, in both offices to, to do that um, key worker scenario, if you like. Um, and uh, But in the second lockdown, we realized that, you know, some people weren't coping with the volumes. I mean, the volumes of email, you'll know already, is, um, is nearly... Um, overwhelming uh, at the best yeah, of times yeah. and we're probably seeing even more traffic that way now um plus the digital meetings and therefore a lot less movement people are sedentary um you would see a dip in energy and, and performance and so 
we we we'd gotten involved, and I don't know if you're familiar with Gillian McMoran's business, Priority Management. Um, it's nope, based nope. out of Coat Bridge, but um, uh, it's called Work Smart, uh, and it's really based around um, out Microsoft Outlook. I mean, there's got a bit of coaching in there. There's some culture in there. There's a lot of um, uh, really good stuff around just motivation to, to work and how to work well. But it's focused on getting absolutely the best out of Microsoft Outlook. Um, and I don't mind promoting her on this, this podcast because it's a game changer for, for any business. And it certainly has been for ours. And eight years ago, we, we had a large group of us went on, on the course. And it was classroom-based back then. You took your computer with you and set up in a specific way, got rid of... Uh, as an example, you'd get rid of um, flags and pongs and noises that, that distract you constantly and you focus on 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 tasks uh, once at a time. So it's basically a calendar and task-focused way of managing Outlook and not you being managed by your inbox. And, and I won't go into any more detail than that and bore people to tears, but it's awesome. And um, it gives people a framework around which they can manage every day and their week and, in fact, their personal lives, not just their work lives. Um, so we, we, I think we, it was 20 or more people we sent um, on that course again. I, I did a refresher on it. Um, and uh, like a lot of businesses, they'd had to change how they do things from a you know, classroom-based to Zoom-based um, but of course, it worked, and the tech allowed them to do that. So, um, we and I think a lot of the staff, some staff, without being too melodramatic, are like tearful, going, "Oh my goodness, if, if I'd only done this ten years ago." But you know, at least they've done it now, and it and it's really helping them in in their day to day. And the benefits of that: more efficient staff, better efficient way of working, customers get better service. That's number one. But number two, if you've got happier staff getting through their day less stressed not stress-free I, mean, I don't that's a utopia we may never find but you know then then there's huge benefits from that and we we were not forced down that road but i think the pandemic again uh made us think right what what, what do we need well where are we suffering and how can we improve that and sure it, look it all costs money we've had to buy a whole bunch of tech stuff not least dozens of of, of contract-based mobile phones to everybody with a with a business phone, so they're not having to use their private phones for for clients. Yeah, sure, um, sure. So and so, but I think those investments are are, are going to pay huge dividends for us. They already are. That's um, that, that's 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 fabulous. Yeah, that I wish I'd um, come across that um, managing your outlook because I, I must admit, in fact, while you were speaking there, I'm I'm pretty sure there was a ping of an email. It was probably mine. So um, and, it, and it takes yeah, your mind off. It, it does. It, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And your phone's doing this the whole time. I mean, we could have a whole separate debate over the, the position of uh, of tech in our lives and the distractions and the inability to focus on a single task and get things done yeah. um, because so many things are making demands on our attention. And, and everything's just tiny bite sizes. And um, I've got a wee uh, anecdote for later on for one of your questions, and, and, and it is about that. It's about being able to focus. And again... Some folk working from home have got very specific jobs, so they need to do things meticulously and well. Well, they, they're not distracted in the office, um, or that's rather like they are in the office. And, and I think um, they, they're maybe more efficient, you know, siloed away for a couple hours on a specific task anyway uh, in their home. And as long as their phone's not ponging at them, their emails aren't ponging away at them, 
Uh, I mean, Outlook's probably the most powerful and most, you'll know this better than me, uh, the greatest invested piece of software on the planet. Um, You know, there's so much development has gone into that. You can imagine if you'd had the budget Microsoft had for CPL. Yes, Um, well, yes. uh, and yet we just get plonked on a laptop and say, all right, there's your Outlook, um, inbox, outbox, sent items. And, 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 you know, we're meant to know how to work it. Has, have you ever been trained in, in Outlook? No, no, never. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You, put a, you buy a bit of back office software and you all obviously invest training. Um, I know. Um, so it's, it, yeah. it's, it's actually bonkers. Because it's so intuitive, people can just jump on it and get going. But actually, yeah. it's dictating to you, not the other way around. And so that's the whole point of, of priority management. And, and it's hugely powerful, and I, I absolutely recommend it um, if people want to. Look, you've got to pay for the training, and it's, it's certainly not cheap, but it's good value when you think what you get out of it. And, it's the um, investment. You get, you, get, you get out what you put in, don't you? Correct. And one of the good things about it, actually, is they don't just do you for a day and then you go away and get on with it. They, um, they, they drop in with you three weeks later at least and, and maybe one other time after that just to um, check that you're performing all the, the way you ought to be, the way you've been taught, and also to, to help you solve any quirks or things that are, 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 are maybe not going the way you hoped they would. And it's, it's sure. a really thorough process, and it's not just a one hit. And, like, you go on so many courses and you, you're inspired and you think, oh, this is great, I'm going to do that, and then you leave. And you don't make any of those changes. And, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it, it is thorough. It's excellent. And um, anyway, that's, that, that's, um, that's priority management. So that, again, second lockdown, you know, we, we piled into that. as, uh, uh, And it's also helped us to create a buzz around um, the staff. And, and it was something new and different and uh, for a lot of them anyway. And, and it was a good tool, not just in itself, but also as – you know, this difficult um, challenge of trying to stay in touch with everybody when they're in different places and you're not actually seeing them and they're all got mm-hmm. different circumstances. So um, I'm really looking forward to that being over because um, I think we need to we need to get face-to-face again and going back to yeah. a lot of our old working processes. Look, we can be more efficient at lots of things. We've got a lot more tricks in our, our bag now, but um, uh, I... I I, I genuinely think humans need humans. Yeah, I, I've I've really struggled with the kind of energy you have in a meeting in a room when you can see the body language and not just from their face. You know what I mean? So it, it and and that's what I've really struggled with with um, with kind of Zoom and Teams and things like that. So yeah, no, I I totally totally get what you mean. Um, I think uh, you know. Th- the, the this digital revolution that we're going through is is great in many respects. Um, and and we we we've clients down south. One of our, our biggest commercial clients, Scarborough Group, who are based out of London and kind of Manchester, Leeds. Um, we manage their whole commercial portfolio UK wide, and um, uh, so we used to go down to Leeds and York and as a group of four, either on the train or in a car. It would take a whole day for a two or three hour meeting, and then either you stay overnight and come back. So there's transport, travel, um, carbon footprint, uh, hotel costs, you know, for, for what? A face-to-face meeting for three or four, three hours maybe. Um, hugely expensive and time-consuming. So that we've now agreed with them, uh, put forced upon us by the pandemic. We'll do three quarterly meetings on Zoom, and maybe once a year we'll all get together and, and 
probably over a, a beer or a meal and, and uh, after having a meeting and make an event of it. But um, so, so that's, that in itself has forced new working practices that said, you know what, it's far more efficient and easier for all of us. And a lot of them are traveling to their, their office from site or whatever to meet us. So that removes all that. Now, there's a secondary worry that I have that there's a hotel that's not getting a rented room. There's a restaurant that's not getting a meal. There's a train that's not getting a ticket sold. You know, there's impacts on our economy to this way of working. Um, now, we're not going to remove it entirely, but we're going from four times a year to one. So there you go. There's a market that we, our little market, if you look at it as a, as a profit center, is, has been shrunk by, by three quarters. Yeah. Um, that just has to be absorbed somehow by, the, by life and the world. Um, and I do have one eye on the, on the economy, not that we're all responsible. It's a bit like eating less fish or eating less red meat. You know, we've got to start one bite at a time. And I think we have a responsibility to get back into the cities and, um, and buy coffees and sandwiches and shop in the shops. Um, because if we're just in predominantly at home, working from home, then it's literally only the supermarkets and Jeff Bezos that are going to benefit. Yeah, your, your local coffee shops are just going to close, aren't they? So, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen the donut effect where, um, you know, Byers Road, for instance, is humming. Um, in, in Edinburgh, for instance, Stockbridge or, or Morningside Road, you know, they're, they're thriving because people are walking from their home offices to get those things locally. Um, and that's great. But there's still a limit to what those retailers in those local high streets um, can offer. Yeah. And, you know, the, the middle of the donut, which is this empty city centre, uh, which is really what drives our economies and, um, you know, creates revenues and taxes for the government, um, whether you agree with the way they spend those taxes or not, it's a whole other debate. But, you know, that's very simplistically how the economy works and we can't desert our cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, uh, I think we have to be careful about how we rearrange our working practices post-pandemic. Okay. And what is the plan in that then from a, from a home and office working um solution well i i've got i've got mixed views on this um it ultimately depends on the kind of business you run um you know some businesses i'm sure can can function entirely you know remotely uh, i and i know of one building surveying firm uh, we're, we're quite close to a good chum of mine's md and they've gone to um a purely performance-based um model where you don't really have working hours well, in fact you don't um they they they're all qualified surveyors though so they'll have a group of clients and projects that they're delivering um and they can do those independently at home out on site as long as it's delivered on time and well you know tick you can do it 8, 8 a.m on a sunday morning 10 p.m on a sunday night it doesn't matter as long and and the and if the client asks you to be on site, then you're there. And if your colleagues need you in the office for around the table, you, you go. There's no, no quibbling over that. And they've shrunk from an 8,000-square-foot office to a 4,000-square-foot office with, with um, hot desks and a big cafe with a barista-style um, coffee scenario, which I'm quite jealous of. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, they, they're doing this really funky way of working. And, and 
you know, it remains to be seen how how well it goes. I think it will be a success. And they, um, and my, my question is, well, then how do you train younger staff? How do you actually get visibility of, of the improvement of people or people that are flagging? You know, you've got to be able to pat folk on the back and, and at the same time give people a, a help up if they're struggling. Um, and they used to train their, their trainees in, in teams where everyone was kind of sort of responsible for the, the, the younger person learning. Uh, whereas now they buddy up with an individual who's entirely responsible for that person's training. And, and in fact, in some respects, it's, it's more transparent and, and visible as to how their progress is going. And, and in fact, they claim that it's better that way. So they have the ability to, to be utterly flexible in or out the office. And so they're the people that would, I suggest, would champion you know, no days in the office or as many days in or out as you like. That suits their model. You know, they're probably sending out, you know, two dozen invoices a year. They can do it from their laptop straight to their client. They can do their own credit control. They've not got huge admin teams. They'll have a lot of pre-populated reports that they can tweak themselves. You know, it's very efficient. Again, tech playing a huge part in that. Um, and, and so that's one kind of business that I can see will work that way. I know the banks are starting to come back two days a week. We, we have been back two days a week. So we're two in, three off at the moment, if you like, as, as our, our blend. Um, we're still completely socially distanced in the office. We have enough space. We're lucky to have enough space to keep people two meters apart. And we wear masks as we're traveling through the building still. We're, we've, we've been really careful with our COVID rules and, 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 uh, keeping floors separate and all the rest of it and having um, uh, certain groups working together. So, you know, if we did, and we're very lucky, we haven't had a proper outbreak of COVID. There's been examples of it, but we've not had a sort of flash through the office with lots of people getting it. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. So we've kept people separated and that's been a massive logistical challenge. But um, Adele in our office has been phenomenal at um, uh, working at desks <clears throat> who's doing what and when and where but um for us i actually think you were so team focused um you know we've got there's certainly i think between repairs property management credit and control accounts um everybody will cross communicate at least once if not several times a day yeah um, and this can't be done efficiently in a, in a remote working environment um but there's such an emphasis on team and collaboration and what we do and the culture we're trying to create. Um, you know, there's certain things. I mean, people talk about the water cooler chats, um, you know, team lunches, meetings, training. Um, they, they can't really happen um, efficiently over, over Zoom or Teams. Certain things is fine. But let's say you've got, we, did you send that deposit check back to Mrs. Hackenabush? Um, and you want to ask that of your colleague across the desk, 20-second conversation. They're not there. You're not going to phone them, and you're not going to Zoom them for that answer. So you don't ask the question, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. And maybe the check was sent. Maybe the check wasn't sent until you get the complaint from the, um, the former tenant saying, I never got my deposit check back or whatever. Now, if you've been in the office, you'd go, oh, no, I never sent that. Or can you send it? It's done. You don't get the complaint. And then the complaint comes in, that's a fire burning that involves the property manager, or the, the, the line manager above, maybe it gets to partner level and everyone has to have a discussion. And then you quickly see how the, the minutes are consumed. Yeah. 
on that one thing because we were all at home. And um, so for us, I think, I think there's a danger here, right? Um, And as a business owner, I I have to be careful. I choose my words, but there is a danger that the tail wags the dog and people like working at home and, and they love the flexibility and they can pick up, um, uh, we George at three o'clock on a Wednesday and I'll work late, uh, you know, seven o'clock later on and make up the time. So much trust, so much autonomy given to the, to the staff member. And I think 99% of the time, you know, you'll have honest brokers that, that, yeah, that will, yeah. will do all that. But the trust element, which is, which is there is great. And you can do it, maybe this performance-based business where you say, well, the results are great. So it really doesn't matter. But actually, my view is you have to start with business. What's best for the business? What makes the business most efficient, uh, profitable? Um, because it's that profit that feeds the mouths. Um, and therefore, if it means, look, everyone's in five days until we get a handle on how we can be more flexible, then that's what you have to decide to do as a, as, as a business leader. Get everyone back in. Um, yeah. if, if the business suffers because our, our efficiency is just that much poorer, it's not terrible, but maybe it's poorer because we're not collaborating as well as we used to, then, you know, that's not the, the best decision for the business. So I think businesses, business by business, have to decide, is it three and two? Is it four and one? Or actually, do we have to get back to five, which is what we're doing? Um, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, we, you know, we were flexible before um, the pandemic turned up. You know, we had people doing earlier shifts because they had commitments um, maybe in the late afternoon that they needed to get to travel issues for where they lived and how so we've we've had that flexibility um you know we use a lot of toil time off in lieu people can build up um you know time having worked out with hours or or different times and then they can take a morning to do george's first day at nursery or go to the dentist or whatever so you know we've never been too rigid as an employer because you know we understand people have, have challenges and we we want to we want to be helpful you know, especially, you know, when you've got people committing themselves to and being incredibly loyal members of staff, then and we want to be able to repay that. Um, so, but again, you still have to say, right, what, what's best for the business? Let's design how we work behind that, not what's best for the member of staff, or let's try and make our business suit them. I, I, I'm not in that school. Um, not yet, anyway. I don't know about you, Brian. Um, well, yeah, I think it, this is a this is a kind of a very very difficult one. I, I think um, it's almost um, learning by osmosis, isn't it? You're, you're sitting in the office and someone says something, you kind of um, register that for later on, and you know you have you know so many people who are just talking about so many things, and you pick so many things up in your working day that that has just utterly utterly disappeared. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think you know I mean. Um, so within within CPL, our developers now all work remotely. Um, we still have an office. Our developers are based out of an office in Southampton. We still have the office. Um, we're going to do kind of um, agile, uh, you know, a couple of days every couple of weeks in there, so that teams can actually get to big together. I, I mentioned it earlier. I, I really challenge. I find it a challenge um, without um, without. Uh, seeing someone in in kind of face-to-face. The best example of which I, um, in my other business, Insight Legal, um, we had a board meeting. We do, we do, we have a board meeting every month and it's always been on Zoom, but but I'm the only guy that's based in Scotland. And 
And I did a board meeting where I was on Zoom and every other person was in a was in a meeting room. I, I, and it was the I think it was from a certainly from my point of view, from getting things done and, and making decisions and from a, the performance of that meeting, it's probably one of the worst meetings I've ever had. <laughs> and, and that was my I, I struggled massively not being in the room and not gesticulating with my hands and you know and and, and you know you just can't read people and and and, and I just find it I quite can't find it quite frustrating um I think I'm probably with you I'd go back to um I'd go back to as much time back in the office as possible the office in Glasgow most people are in kind of fact Jackson's at our office in Glasgow at the moment and most people are in um you know at least a Tuesday and a Thursday um, each week at the moment so, I think we've got to remember that we spend more time at work than we do at home and it's a community yeah. if you like that community and you want to be in amongst it I mean we have a crown cafe we call it because we're crown house and um, people go down there we actually insist that people don't just eat their lunch at their desk and work on yeah. they go down and they, they take a time out um, you know and there's great um, sort of uh, you know chit chat goes on down there so it's a great space and people enjoy being in there and that all that's removed and and therefore that culture that you've created in yeah. your business is irrelevant if you don't yeah. have people in it yeah. um and one other challenge we have is which i mentioned at the start trying to get people with their desktops into taxis and that out to their home to be entirely flexible you need everybody on on um mobile tech so we and we don't have enough laptops for everyone in the office to just be coming and going yeah, sure. Um, and we we will rolling. I mean, there's absolutely we plan to to have a sort of rolling replacement of yeah. of desktops with laptops. laptops. Yeah. But that's you know, let's say we've got 25 staff on laptops, 55 staff. You know, it's going to take a few years to because some of the desktops will 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 be quite recent and and therefore are not beyond their useful lives. Yeah. And um, uh, and I know Rishi Sunak is promoting you know capital expenditure and giving you tax breaks capital allowances i think for for doing that and then the more you spend you know the more you'll benefit from that and so we've got one eye on that taking advantage of that and and perhaps we'll accelerate that replacement faster than we had planned to um yeah. Yeah. but ultimately it limits the flexibility with which we can come and go from the office so yeah, yeah. um uh, that's that's another consideration um yeah I think I think the, the the you hit the nail on the head though you know it's it's the culture. How do you build a culture if you're if you're or can only see someone on Zoom and you're not interacting with them because you're all of those people that you would never ever meet unless you were in um, your crown cafe. Mm -hmm. um, people aren't going to talk to each other, so you get people who don't don't don't. Um, have never met or or don't know what somebody else looks like and, and these sort of things and trying to build a culture um based on values and all of these sort of things in that environment is just is just so so difficult we um inside legal actually last week um had a get together um, um a social event that was as um well english law this was down in down in the head offices in farnborough um and english restrictions are slightly different than they are up here um but you know it was as it was as um as safe and socially um distanced as it could be and and everyone except one person went to it and it was and you know that it's been 18 months since i've been in that office almost and um and there were people i have I have never met in person yet. I've spoken to for you know fifteen months and things like that. It's just 
it was just it was fantastic to sort of see everybody in a in the room and um, and you know and get to talk to them. But that actually, to be fair, that that culture, values, leadership, and things like that brings me on to uh, kind of the next question, um, and that is, um, wh- what do you look for when you employ and when you what is a perfect um, huh. red path Bruce person? If if I could use a phrase that we use, an A player, um, which is someone kind of at the top of our game and uh, and these sort of things. But what 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 do you what do you what do you look for in a perfect um, red path Bruce person? Well, it's uh, what is a red path Bruce person? Uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But no, I. I Recruitment, look, the toughest thing, I often say this to people, anyone listening who's, who's sat in a room with me before in an interview will, will yawn at me using my Mars bar analogy. But, you know, we don't make Mars bars that you can hand somebody who takes a bite of it and goes, mmm, yummy, that's a great chocolate bar. You're good at what you do. Um, make more chocolate bars. We, we, we sell people. You know, we are a, an agent to facilitate uh, property services for um, our, our customers. So when they pick up the phone to Redpath Bruce, you know, they get Angela on front desk and hopefully they have a good experience there. She's fantastic. Diane um, before was famous for the way she answered the phone. Oh, Redpath Bruce, how can I help you? And, you know, people used to phone up just to hear her answer the phone. They didn't have anything <laughs> to ask her. Um, and we maintain that. No, no electric. Yeah, you press one or two to get to various places, but you still get a human being, and that's a Red Path Bruce person, and that needs to be, um, you know, a good experience for for our customers and our contractors, anyone phoning our buildings. And so, um, uh, we, our people are our product. Um, put this the IT to one side and the way we do things and our culture and 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 all that. Before all else. Um, you know, if you have the right people, you're you're 90% of the way there. So recruitment's the toughest thing we do. And then, you know, retaining good people again. And and if you talk to anyone in our industry, and, and there's been quite a lot of movement during the pandemic um, of, of people between firms. Um, yeah, there's yeah. quite a bit of disruption in a few of the firms that have had some fairly seismic changes. And... Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've, um, we've recruited quite a number of... of well, I think are really quite high quality people in the last 18 months. So number one, the challenge is, um, you know, how do you give them a flavor of Red Path Bruce when they're just sitting at home with a Red Path Bruce laptop and not the one from the business they were at before? You know, that's, yeah. that's another massive challenge uh, of remote working and another reason why I don't think we should be progressing with too much of it. Um, I, I look for three things. Um, and I'm making the assumption that what they've written on their CV is true, (laughs) Um, you know, that they can do the job, you know, first and foremost, you're you're hopefully you've sourced somebody that, that that fulfills your, your, your job spec. And then, then it's all about the person. And um, the the most important thing, uh, and I think it gets overlooked um, a lot of, of the time is actually just energy. There's somebody giving off enough of it. Um, because, uh, you know, it's a tough job. Uh, you have to have uh, not boundless energy necessarily, but enough to um, get through the day, inspire others and, 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 and be motivated and, and uh, you know, I'll not be, say, excited about it. But, you know, you've got to have some gusto and get up and go. Uh, and that perhaps comes from the second thing, which is enthusiasm for the game. I mean, if we talk in sporting analogies, um, 
if you don't like the game, you're not going to have an enthusiasm for it and you're not going to do it very well. And so um, it seems bizarre, but there are people out there who have a passion for property management, doing it well and for factoring. Um, you know, it's not difficult for me and Ryan as, as business owners who are in it three generations. We, we you know, live, eat, breathe it. Um, but, you know, you can't necessarily expect everyone to, to feel the same way as we do. But to have an enthusiasm for uh, what we do, uh, I think, is essential. And that needs to come across. And um, the third thing I look for, which is probably not what other people might necessarily expect, is is actually outside of the game. What what's, what interests them? Um, you know, is it are they, I've, I've recently talked to a few people who are referees of all things. I would never be a referee, even if you paid me handsomely for it. But um, are they into team sports, crochet, cake making, whatever it is, you know, uh, what turns them on outside of, of, of the job? As opposed to just, you, you sometimes see eating out and drinking. <laughs> I, I, that, don't get me wrong, that's great. But um, uh, have you any other pastimes? I like to know that there's something to people that, that, that they've yeah. got. Um, because again, that just shows that they're motivated to do stuff, any stuff. I don't mind what it is. Um, and, and that, you know, that makes me much more interested in them. So a red path bruise person's got to have color to them, energy and enthusiasm. And beyond that, you know, we, we really like having a huge mix of people. If you came to our office, I don't think you'd say any two people were the same. Um, I, I often say in factoring that um, there is no degree in factoring. And um, I don't know if there could be one, but in fact, it's one of the toughest jobs, I think, out there. And I've done several. I'm not a property manager to trade. I'm I'm a commercial investment agent. And before that, I'm a failed accountant, uh, recruitment consultant, and electrical wholesaler. So I'm in my fourth career. And... um, so I've seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of environments, and um, I think property management is one of the hardest because you have so many different customers. Uh, and I talk about internal clients and external clients. Your internal clients are your colleagues. How do you get on with them? How do you get the best from them? How do they get the best from you? And your customers, obviously, who, who come first. You know, Are you delivering to them the best service? And there's a lot of times in factoring where you actually have to deliver uh, a negative. You have to say no to your customers, you know. And you know, in, in a modern culture, culture, customers always right. Well, in yeah. fact, the customers a lot of the time wrong, <laughs> yeah. but they don't want to hear you say that. So, how do you deliver that information to lots of different types of people from different backgrounds, folk in million pound flats in Edinburgh to someone in a in a tenement in Govan Hill, and, yeah. and that's difficult. You've got to be a chameleon, yeah. um, and. You know, there's no degree in that. You just have to have those skills, and and they're they're, they're quite special skills. And we've got a lot of people with them, and I don't think they're recognised enough. But we're certainly not rewarded enough. You know, our industry. A whole other debate is is the the manner of how we bill and what we get paid for what we do. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't think it's uh, uh, healthy enough. But especially given what people have to put up with and how hard we have to graft for our our onions. But um, Again, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I do think um, if you've got, you know, worldly wise people who know how to talk and communicate um, civilly with all walks of life, then that's that's really the best skill you can you can possess. We can teach you everything else. 
You can teach her to work CPL, sort of. I couldn't, but I'm sure you could. <laughs> um, and um, all the other ways of doing the job, it's it's the people side of things that is is key. And so that's what you know we look for in our people. And we don't always get it right. We don't always get the right matches. And um, but I think the, predominantly we do. And um, when we turned 100, we had went off on a big party at Creef Hydro and we ta tallied up the, all the year's service. And we had a smaller staff then at 30-odd, uh, maybe just, just shy of 40, 35, something like that. And we had over 550-odd years of service, of which wow. one lady who's not um, still alive but not working with us anymore, Jeanette Horn, had done 55 years. Wow. Um, so she kind of skewed the stats a wee bit. But, um, <laughs> Uh, we had a lot of people with 10, 15 years service, and um, uh, we were very proud of that. Um, now, I'd, I'm sure that figure would be slightly lower now, but um, uh, we still have decent um, – uh, uh, I'm sorry, I've just heard children come back in the background. They're screaming away in the, uh, in the house. Uh, so hopefully we won't be interrupted by um, Iron Man or, or Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. Uh, so you know, and I think it is a big challenge today is is recruiting good staff and then retaining them. Um, and you know, we've had a huge focus on that, and and therefore the buildings, the culture, the manner in which we work, the way we embrace people and and their lives as as part of our family. And we are a family business, and we still have that as a as a uh, uh, as one of our. Um, qualities i suppose or, or points of difference um you know our name's still above the door and we take it very personally when we get a one-star yeah. google review because somebody's upset with us and um uh and and for as long as we have that ownership and that um feel that sense of responsibility and and people come on board and feel that too and, and behave as if red path bruce you know the success of the company is important to, as important to them or nearly as important to them as it is to us then and then we're winning yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that buy-in, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think you know, everybody in this world is unique. They bring uh, immensely different things to uh, to a, a business, but it's it's just making sure that you kind of play to their strengths and and what they're very very good at, you know, and and you know, and and, and you know, um, things they're not very good at. Um, you know, there's other people in the organization who can do that as well, you know, as long as you have that mix. And, um, but, you know, the, I can see where you're coming from with the, um, the enthusiasm for the game. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not, you know, if you're, right. out, to play, if, if you're out going out to play golf on a Saturday and, and you're not really enjoying it, you're not going to play well, are you? So. Uh, well, I, don't I, have, know. I have other excuses for not playing well, but yeah, <laughs> but not, not enjoyment and not enthusiasm anyway. That was part one of the Block Talk podcast with Christian Bruce. We hope you enjoyed it. Part two is up next, and Christian chats about the Better Lives program, his most interesting project to date, and answers our three quirky questions.